Welcome to the Sheer Law Group's podcast of Truth Serum. Law, real estate, and everything else that matters. Sheer Law Group represents lenders, landlords, and investors throughout the state of California, with offices in the San Francisco Bay Area and Orange County, California. Laws change daily. Economic trends change faster than at any time in history. Ignorance is not bliss, and the unwary and unprepared get punished if they fail to keep up. If you want insightful information on issues of interest to the real estate lender, landlord, or investor, you've come to the right place. Add on some colorful commentary on everything else that matters, and you're now ready for Truth Serum with your host, Spencer Shear. The Law It's clear that the pandemic accelerated social political and economic changes at a pace far greater than would have otherwise occurred. In this segment, we'll take a quick look at the impact on lenders, landlords, and investors. Where have we been and where we may be headed? And why continuation of eviction, foreclosure, and payment moratoriums could be signaling residential real estate deflation and a recession. No interview in this abbreviated episode with a surprise interview in July. And in a brief detour from our Where is the Love segment, we're going to travel to the bizarro world to take a look at just how far things have changed since the official onset of the pandemic last year. But first, the law. Where have we been? Where are we going? With the easing of most social distancing requirements in California, the way has been paved to a return to normal. But what normal is may be much different than what we thought. Starting with the CARES Act in August of 2020, federal, state, and local governments unleashed massive stimulus and eviction and foreclosure moratoriums to combat the paralyzing fear and the uncertainty resulting from the pandemic. I was looking at USAspending.com, which lists $4.5 trillion in federal allocations for stimulus and related relief programs administered through federal agencies. Much of this was funneled back to the states, resulting in huge budget surpluses. Take, for example, California. It's estimated to have a $75 billion surplus from its own revenues, and it's still getting over $27 billion in federal extra relief money. Utah is estimated to have a $1.5 billion surplus, and the list goes on. State and federal unemployment benefits have been extended repeatedly, giving many workers incentives to stay home and not to work. But I think something that's much less obvious but equally impacting is the massive hidden stimulus that's in the form of eviction and foreclosure moratoriums and mortgage loan forbearance. I don't think anyone has an exact number, but I believe it's safe to say that there's billions of dollars in hidden stimulus resulting from the inability of lenders and landlords to proceed to enforce their default remedies. This is complex because many of these lenders and landlords receive compensatory payments from federal programs or from state relief funded by state and federal programs. So no tears yet for lenders and landlords. But it brings me to the main point. The worst of the pandemic is over. Things should be returning to normal. Instead, there's an increasing cry to extend the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums and mortgage forbearance. The CFPB proposes extending the foreclosure moratorium on covered residential loans until January 1, 2022. They want to extend the moratorium from federally backed loans to all private loans secured by residential real estate. 
California's statewide eviction moratorium on certain residential evictions is set to expire on June 30th, but it's likely it'll be extended in one form or another. Local municipalities such as San Francisco and Marin County have already extended eviction moratoriums past June, and others certainly are going to follow. So while many people are sounding the alarm that money printing and unsustainable stimulus is going to lead to inflation or even hyperinflation, a growing number of people are starting to forecast just the opposite. In recent articles, economists like Gary Schilling have forecast the demise of the current single-family housing price bubble. Schilling cites cheap money via low rates, an attenuated exodus to the suburbs by individuals seeking to escape ravaged cities, and the influx of foreign investors is unsustainable and likely building an asset bubble in residential real estate. And while he sees that the meltdown likely wouldn't be as severe as 2008, it'll come to have a huge impact on people who just bought a million-dollar home that was valued at $800,000 last year. Schilling cites unaffordability, the current decrease in loan applications, and increasing prospects of economic downturn as catalyst to deflation of the current real estate bubble. And Schilling's not alone. He's joined by other deflationists, such as Stephen Van Meter, who views the lack of monetary velocity as a money prison, where massive amounts of money are being printed and then circulated back and forth between commercial banks and the Fed, but not circulated into the economy to spur economic growth. And it's true, banks are swamped with deposits now. They're paying depositors virtually nothing. And they're forced to buy bonds or enter into swap agreements with the Fed to make any money on these deposits or just to avoid losses. It's a cycle of money going nowhere. Think Japan and negative interest rates. And it appears that the response by governing authorities will be to use their expanded emergency regulatory authority that they gained through the pandemic to continue over-regulating and impeding lenders and landlords from enforcing their rights. Continued eviction and foreclosure moratoriums and loan forbearance can only be sustained if the real estate asset bubble continues to inflate indefinitely. And this is unlikely, no matter how things look now and no matter how hard the Fed hangs on to QE and artificially low rates. Couldn't last forever back in 2008, and it's unlikely to do so now. And the difference between the mega inflation days of the late 70s and early 80s, and parenthetically, I was working there at my first job for a savings and loan when T-bill rates were skyrocketing and mortgage rates were skyrocketing along with them. The difference between those mega inflation days and now is that you had a vibrant economy along with the rising prices and the rates. The current desperate efforts of central bankers all over the world to stimulate even a semblance of economic growth is far, far different. The first major skirmish in this battle between deflation and inflation is being played out in the commodities and the bond markets, where spikes in, or big spikes actually, in prices of certain commodities presuppose inflation. But that's being met with declining rates on 10, 20, and 30-year bonds, which presupposes a weakening economy and deflation, with even lower rates needed to sustain economic growth and keep the asset bubble inflated, until it finally pops. In my opinion, inflation or deflation is the critical consideration for lenders, landlords, and investors seeking to gauge where this real estate market's going. If you bet wrong and you don't prepare for the winner of this battle, the consequences will be severe. 
The bottom line is that the implication of the current and proposed laws that impose ongoing moratoriums and continued loan forbearance, even as the pandemic's winding down, appear to increase the likelihood of an inflating real estate bubble that will eventually pop into a deflationary economy. Again, similar but probably not as severe as that in 2008. Think about it. Billions and billions of dollars of deferred mortgage payments and rent payments, and there's going to be much more. Some homeowners haven't paid on their mortgages for over 18 months, with payments tacked on to the end of the loan to be paid either on sale or refinance. If there's deflation and values go below the debt on the property, how many borrowers are going to continue to pay? If the eviction moratoriums are extended, who's going to pay to keep the tenants in place? Clearly, the response to this administration is going to be to apply even more stimulus triage. Perhaps this will bring about the spike in inflation that everybody's concerned about. Perhaps deflation will be the result. Or even stagflation. Perhaps even the big reset. I can't see a bigger issue facing lenders, landlords, or investors in the near future. Those of you who read comic books in the 60s may remember The Bizarro World. It was created by DC Comics. In essence, it's about life in an alternative world, in an alternative universe. Everything that we hold to be true or good or desirable in this world is just the opposite in The Bizarro World. Bizarro World is ruled by the Bizarro Code, which states, Us do opposite of all earthly things. Us hate beauty. Us love ugliness. Us hate success. In the bizarre world, it's a crime to do anything well. You get the picture. Consider the following. As of August 2020, at least 13 cities, including New York City, Minneapolis, and Los Angeles, announced that they would defund or reduce the police in response to outcries for social justice. By mid-December 2020, Los Angeles saw a 30% increase in murders over the previous year with 322 homicides. There were 437 murders in New York City by December 2020, nearly 40% more than the previous year. Consider this. On October 11, 2020, protesters in Portland, Oregon, calling for social justice, pulled down a statue of former President Abraham Lincoln, an acknowledged catalyst to end slavery in this country. The demonstrators broke windows on what organizers called an indigenous day of rage. And it spread like wildfire across this country and burrowed its way into textbooks and curriculum, calling the U.S. a systematically racist country that cannot be redeemed. Meanwhile, immigration of Africans hoping to start a new life in America has experienced the fastest growth rate of any immigrant group from 2000 to 2013, increasing by over 41%. While Africans coming here have come for a variety of reasons, one thing is undeniable. They're coming here increasingly for a better way of life. Illegal immigration from Latin American and African countries to the U.S. in 2021 is on pace to be the highest number in recorded history. Why are these people swimming rivers and crawling under barbed wire to get here if this is a racist country? 
Consider this. Homelessness has exploded in the U.S. We spend more now to combat the problem than at any time in history, yet the problem is getting worse. Go to any major city in this country, and you'll find people living under bridges, on sidewalks, and in parks. Allowing the homeless the right to occupy public areas when there's no shortage of either funds or resources to help legitimate needs, it's a zero-sum game for everyone. But even so, on April 1st of this year, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in the case of Martin v. Boise declared homelessness to be a condition, like alcoholism, and not a choice. The court prohibited local municipalities from enforcing vagrancy and trespassing laws in public areas except in very limited circumstances because the condition of being homeless can't be helped. There are clearly serious problems to address in this nation. They're existential. But removing barriers to law and order by defunding the police, decriminalizing lawless behavior, and changing our history by tearing down statues and woking up our children to textbooks with revisionist history is not the way to address them. If the secret thoughts, deeds, intentions of every human being on this planet were broadcast on worldwide television, or if everyone we encounter could read our mind, there are things that would be revealed that we would all be ashamed of. Without a doubt, you would find prejudice in the heart of every man and woman on this planet, white, black, red, and brown. Not one of us is close to being perfect or can be said to be completely free from prejudice. If anyone you meet says otherwise, they are lying to you. This should cause us to both seek and extend forgiveness and work together to first change our hearts and then the society for the better. Using real or perceived grievances to promote anger and hate and divide us by the color of our skin for an ideology or a political agenda, it's not only wrong, it's hypocritical. It'll destroy the rule of law and the mutual respect and tolerance that have resulted in a nation that people of all colors will do almost anything to be a part of. As we travel down the highway of illusion, we need to pull over to a rest area. We need to chill, because the next stop is that this country will mirror life in the bizarre world. Thank you for listening to Sheer Law Group's podcast, Truth Serum, law, real estate, and everything else that matters. For more on the law, go to www.shearlawgroup.com or contact Spencer or Joshua Shear. For more info on real estate, see your real estate broker or agent. Don't forget to mow your lawn, trim your hedges, and pay your mortgage. For more information on everything else that matters, Read good books, cultivate good friends that you can share ideas with, pray often, and do not place your hopes in governmental institutions. Write Spencer Shear if you want to argue the points made in this podcast. Finally, this podcast cannot be relied on as legal advice, and SLG disclaims any responsibility for the ideas presented. See an attorney if you have issues or problems related to the subjects mentioned in this podcast. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.